you could ever need, starting right now. Welcome to the Water Break. I'm McLean, got Will, Cy, and Creed in the studio with me virtually. Um, and we just got, I say, uh, at the beginning of our show that we're the best late night sports show on 88.9 The Bridge. Apparently we're the best sports show uh, the best high school sports show in the nation. Uh, yeah. The people at the Golden Microphone people decided that we're apparently really good at what we do. So uh, this is now an award-winning sports show, um, of something of which I'm pretty proud. Um, and I think we should uh, all just take a bit. We should congratulate ourselves on a great year of radio. Great job, Pat guys. Pat ourselves on the back. Yeah. yeah. Let's they must go. have listened to like a really good five minutes or something, and they just ignored <laughs> the rest of it because we got lucky, I think. Yeah. Well, you know, happy to have it, anyways, right? Yeah. yeah well, hey, dub. trophies all the same. Uh, wins a win. Um, yeah. So we're gonna get right into it as we always do. Uh, but Will's got an announcement before our five and five. Yeah, I'd like to talk about a person that I actually got the chance to meet. The father of Wayne Gretzky passed away last night. Uh, his name's Walter Gretzky. Really nice old man, just full of stories. Like you can talk to him for an hour and just be completely amazed because he's got so many cool things about Wayne growing up, uh, playing hockey as a little kid. He's a pretty cool guy to talk to, just so nice. And it's really unfortunate uh, that he passed away at the age of 82, I believe. Um, but yeah, my condolences go out to his family, and it's just really sad. Anyways, uh, I think we're st- we're gonna start off with some hockey news. Uh, actually, a bit better. The Canucks beat the number one team in the league right now, Toronto Maple Leafs, in a pretty crazy game. Actually, Jake Vertanen managed to score two goals. Which is, if you don't know who Jake Vertanen is, he doesn't score a lot. He's not that. I mean, he's okay, but I don't think he's that great of a player. Uh, but he managed to put the time, the winning goal in against uh, Toronto, which is pretty impressive. And yeah, the Canucks are still sitting pretty much at the bottom of their division right now, so that's not looking too good. Over in the West, Golden Knights, Blues, and Avs are top three in that. 
no surprises there. That's kind of what everyone expected. In the East, the Caps lead that division. Uh, the Penguins have fallen down quite a bit now into the fifth slot, but I think they'll climb back up, hopefully. In the Central Division, no surprise. Lightning win that one by a decent bit, and then the Hurricanes and Panthers are trailing closely behind them. Anyways, we'll go on to Creed for soccer. All right, so this week in soccer, we have uh, quite a few amazing games coming up in the English English Premier League, at least. Um, on Sunday, uh, 8.30 a.m., we have the game between the top two teams in the Premier League, Man City and Manchester United. So it takes place at Etihad Stadium, and uh, it's going to be a uh, pretty decisive game. Not really... In a sense, I mean, Man City's going to win the league most likely anyway. They're 14 points ahead of Manchester United, um, but it'll it'll kind of help out, you know, Manchester City get even further ahead and try to get like a 22-game win streak, or maybe Manchester United can stop them there. Um, and then some other games we have coming up in the league is Chelsea Everton. Uh, we have. Uh, Burnley Arsenal and Aston Villa Wolves and uh, interesting thing last week uh, actually yesterday uh, Liverpool lost to Chelsea 1-0 so that's pretty much cementing Chelsea's stand in the top four right now if they can keep keep it up like this and it pushed Liverpool back all the way to seventh place uh, on to Cy for basketball yeah, so this week in basketball, there have been a couple of interesting situations. So the Pistons have reached a buyout agreement with Blake Griffin, making him an unrestricted free agent. And so whatever team picks him up, that's going to be a great pickup. Uh, this weekend is the All-Star game this Sunday. Um, it's Team LeBron versus Team Durant, and I think that's going to be an interesting game to watch as well. And, I mean, just looking at the standings this year, it's a lot different from some of the past years. The 76ers are the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. Like, last year, I'd, that no one would believe you if you said that, like, a couple years ago. And the Nets are number two. And somehow the Raptors, who won the finals in 2019, are the eighth seed. I guess losing Kawhi did a lot more damage than we thought. And... Uh, in the Western Conference, right now the Warriors have clawed their way up to the nine seed, which is pretty good. Good on Curry. And the Jazz are the number one seed. And actually, two of their star players, Donovan Mitchell and uh, Rudy Gobert, have been fined for criticism of officiating. So they were mad about the officiating in a game. And, of course, the league fined them. And then finally, I just want to talk about LaMelo Ball. LaMelo Ball is balling out. He, Jordan says he's exceeding expectations, and honestly, I believe that as well. LaMelo has just been a great piece to the Hornets organization, and they are the seventh seed in the East right now, so it's pretty good. All right, I guess on to McLean for baseball. Yeah, spring training started this week. Uh, last week on this show, I had pretty much no good news um, on the Mariners' front. Uh, the hometown M's uh, last week at this time were, um, you know, Kelnick was unhappy with them. Kevin Mather had just said some stuff, um, and it was looking like another season that was about to turn sour. But they're actually have been some surprises in spring training. Um, outfield prospect Taylor Trammell has put together a nice stretch of games. He's really blossoming into the player that Jerry Depoto thought he was getting when he swapped him for Austin Nola at last season's trade deadline, uh, which was in the middle of August, thanks to the pandemic season. Um, 
But yeah, not having had not very much time in the organization and seeing his first action, Taylor Trammell has really exceeded expectations. He's been tearing the cover off that thing, and his defense has been great too. Um, the Mariners, however, as a team, have been the pinnacle of mediocrity. Uh, they've managed to collect a lot of ties. Um, I believe they're leading the league in ties in spring training right now. Uh, that's right, you can tie spring training baseball games. They don't play extra innings, so... That's pretty interesting. Um, and now over to Will for some football. Yeah, I mean, there have been a couple moves, but obviously the offseason is going to be the offseason. The main one that's happened uh, in recent times was J.J. Watt to the Cardinals. Uh, and I just feel so bad for poor Russell Wilson. I mean, the dude, he's already going up against Aaron Donald. He's got Bosa. And now they add the third one, uh, which probably the second best only behind Aaron Donald in that division. And that's JJ Watt. He's just been a menace to quarterbacks uh, pretty much his entire career. And of course he had to go into the NFC West. So poor Russ, I just, I can start, I'm starting to see why he wants to get out of Seattle, especially behind our O line. Uh, but there's not, there's not a whole lot we can do about it. Yeah. It's um, I predicted, I kind of jokingly predicted that Seattle would be the world's first last place divisional team to win a playoff game. And I'm sticking with that prediction. I it's when I look at this uh, Seattle schedule, I'm or when I look, the schedule isn't out yet. But when I look at their list of opponents, which is out, um, I'm seeing, assuming the NFL keeps the same schedule format, um, I'm seeing a 10 win team that still finishes fourth in the division. You know, I mean, when I you look at when you look at how much the Niners have improved and we look at all the players that they're getting back. Right. I mean. Every it, other team is going to could win. happen. Yeah. But I can't see 10. Like, they would have to pretty much not quite win out, but they'd have to pretty much win out against, like, every other team outside yeah. of their division. I mean, especially if Russell does leave Seattle, that can make it multiple times harder for them to get to that 10 win. Right? So. Yeah, I mean. Well, sure. I mean. <laughs> Obviously, it would be tough for Seattle to win without Russ, but let's be real. Down the stretch, Russ wasn't doing a lot to help them win. He uh, entered a pretty major slump uh, down the stretch last season, right? Um, and I, um, I, I don't know. I just feel like um, looking at the slate of opponents, Seattle is scheduled to play the uh, AFC South and NFC North, as is the rest of the division. So, yeah. Ooh, nice. We'll see a Viking Seahawks game coming up. Yeah, or that'll wait, be fun. Uh, yeah, we'll see a Viking Seahawks game. We should see a Viking. Oh, Seahawks actually, game. something interesting. Somewhere, I heard somewhere about Russell Wilson with the possibility of going to the Bears. I don't know. I mean, I I, I doubt that's going to happen. But I was just thinking, like, the NFC North would have three um, like pretty good quarterbacks, and then you know, Kirk Cousins just standing there, like, oh. Well, okay. the Lions wouldn't really have one. They've traded away Stafford now. Yeah, I mean, they do have Goff, though. So he's he's all right. Goff is serviceable. Yeah. I wouldn't say he's crazy good. Most of his yeah. success on the Rams just comes from the team surrounding him and especially that defense. Yeah, I, and I do, like, not knocking on Kirk Cousins because he's, he's really stepped it up lately in the last couple games of the last season. But, yeah, just from, you know... It, it'll it'll be a way harder division to deal with if Russell Wilson does come over, in my opinion. Um, even though it's unlikely to happen. So, yeah, and I think um, just circling back to that Russell Wilson slump, 
honestly, the whole offense was like ever since their running backs got like injured, then they came back and they were okay. But honestly, I think um, DK was also in a slump. So those guys are going to be looking to have a better year this year, hopefully. And honestly, I think I think the Seahawks are too good to be a four seed. I don't know. I, st- I still feel like they're better than the Cardinals. So they're Steve. at least a three seed, in my opinion. I don't Just know. Because I don't know. I mean, unless unless there's some major slump, but the defense is looking a lot better at the end of the year, and Jamal Adams is coming back for blood, I'm pretty sure, so that's going to be interesting. Yeah, the Seahawks defense, I'm assuming, it's obviously way too early to be predicting anything because the Carlos Dunlap situation still has yet to resolve itself. Um, KJ Wright, Shaquille Griffin, Quentin Dunbar, all free agents. Um, truth be told, the only piece that Seattle knows they've got locked up for years to come is DJ Reed. So I don't know. I mean, when I look at when I look at um, when I look at the Rams, I see a first place team, right? They had the best defense in the NFL by points last season, and they were second to Miami in turnovers, but top of the league in points. Um, and they just added in a uh, blue chip quarterback, you know, Jared Goff was the only uh, wrinkle on their team last year, and they just they solved that issue, lost all their first round picks in the process. Um, but they just they added a um, you know an elite quarterback, a top ten quarterback. Um, I'm I'm seeing thirteen and three at worst from this LA Rams team. Yeah, I mean, we also got to see Cam Akers step into a much bigger role in the last yeah. year uh, in Todd Gurley's absence. I think he's done a really good job filling those shoes, and I think in the years to come, he's just going to get better. So it's such a scary team. I think I have them as the Super Bowl winner this year. Yeah, 13-3 and three at worst. Then from San Fran, I'm seeing all the pieces of a roster that were just in the Super Bowl last season. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, George Kittle should see a full season from those guys, plus Brandon Ayuk was pretty good. Um, granted, they won't have Richard Sherman, but the defensive front is good enough that they can be able to field a competent defense just based on the personalities that they've brought in. You know, the, the personnel that they've got, even without DeForest Buckner and with Without Sherm, they did pretty well for themselves last year. Sherm, of course, missing some time due to injuries. Um, They had a couple of good safeties. You know, Jaquiski Tart uh, in particular was pretty good. Um, But the front of that defense, there's just some monsters up there. Solomon Thomas, Eric Armstead, Nick Bosa, Fred Warner. They've got arguably the best front seven in the league. I think it'll be darn near impossible to throw against this team not to mention they've still got a little bit of cap space they could go after uh, a cornerback in the free agent market if they wanted to i'm you know the kyle shanahan offense getting its starting quarterback back um, jimmy garoppolo i believe he's only lost like four games when he's been healthy and the starter so i'm seeing at least 11 wins from san fran right yeah, and then yeah, over in Arizona, much of the same. Uh, with the addition of J.J. Watt, their front line is going to become pretty, pretty scary. J.J. Uh, Watt, and they get Chandler Jones back. This team yeah, won eight games last season, and they just got back uh, two players who combined uh, the last season they were both healthy was 2018, and they combined for 38 sacks. Yeah, and we're going to see wow. that uh, – the deandre hopkins kyler murray connection hopefully get a bit better as the years go on and then uh the running back situation is so so i don't really know how i feel about Kenyon drake to be honest and that whole thing i don't know if 
is he he's a free agent this year Kenyon right drake's a free agent so, so he played I don't, under the tag I last year don't know they're gonna sign him back like he he really just hasn't produced as he should and they've had running back problems in the past too with david johnson not being able to produce coming out of his injuries so i really i think that's up in the air and them signing a good running back or getting someone that can fill that position could really have a big impact on their well, season. there's lots of good running backs on the market this offseason you know marlon mack uh little injury redemption project uh matt breda is a free agent again um who chris else carson. chris carson yeah can't forget about him uh carlos hyde also on the open market uh aaron jones if they're looking to go for the big prize um, i think aaron jones is gonna sign for a lot more money than they'd probably like to offer yeah for the cards they, they don't have much in cap space so they're gonna probably have to go get a veteran on the bargain bin one um one guy whose name I've been throwing around is Rex Burkhead. He's a he's obviously a veteran. He'd be in his last uh, this is probably the last contract he'll sign in his career. He's getting up there, and running backs don't exactly age well. Um, but he fits the model of what Arizona likes from a running back. You know, a tough downhill runner who doesn't lose the ball and also can contribute in the receiving game. He's in play style. He's pretty similar to Kenyon Drake. Best when used on a pitch count. Um, so I I don't know. And besides, the running back position is the easiest one in the league to find replacements for. They could probably just pick someone off the Jets practice squad or something. Plus, it's a position they could look to in the draft if they feel like getting aggressive. They don't have uh, many other major needs aside from maybe a secession plan for Patrick Peterson in the secondary. That is true, but they're not going to have J.J. Watt for that much longer. So I think if they're looking to draft a player especially a running back out of the next year's draft i don't think that would be a possibility to join their team now and look to make a push in the next couple of years because i think once they lose watt and d hop starts to get older he'll decline fitzgerald's gonna leave the team and then you're kind of gonna be left with murray uh maybe buddha baker i mean he's getting older too but i think their their time to move is probably in the next couple of years well, the cardinals the addition of jj watt to their team makes the cardinals the biggest win now team in the league they're um i'd argue their only real areas of need are uh with running backs and in the interior line um you know patrick peterson he is a free agent but he can probably still get it done for another year or two um i i saw enough from this cardinals defense and i saw more than enough from this offense uh, that I believe in them as an 11-win team, assuming everyone stays healthy. And of course, it is the Cardinals. That's a big if. I don't know what it is about the grass that they move in and out of their dome stadium, but like, it feels to me like the Cardinals have some play, some major contributor start hot and then suffer a season-ending Achilles tear every season. You know, Carson Palmer, if you remember all of his Achilles injuries, David Johnson and his uh, detailed injury history... You know, it's uh, it's not fun playing for the Cardinals. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I mean, I mean, I question J.J. Watt's decision. Like, why did he go to the Cardinals in the NFC West, like one of the most packed divisions in this league? If he wants to, if he wants to win a Super Bowl, I feel like he'd have a better chance going somewhere else. Like, I mean, Pittsburgh, go play with his brothers, or I don't know, even Cleveland. Cleveland did a good job this year, so. I was well, just confused by that decision. I don't know. Arizona has cap space, and the Browns, they also do have cap space, but Pittsburgh is right up against the cap. Um, so maybe J.J. Watt didn't want to take a discount to play in Pittsburgh. Um, Arizona's also got a little bit of a reputation as like the um, 
the retirement home of the league. If you remember, like Emmett Smith went there. It looked like Adrian Peterson was going to go there to retire. Uh, Kurt Warner went there to retire. A lot of all-time greats have, you know, called it a career after a short stint in Arizona. Plus, what Arizona has that the other two team that the other two teams you mentioned don't is an indoor stadium. And JJ Watt. He's a pass rusher. They don't tend to get particular about playing indoors, but J.J. Watt is uh, getting up there in age. He might not want to play on a grass field all the time. It's um, it's it, it's just some just something to consider. It's a factor that I haven't really heard a lot of people talk about. Yeah, and I mean, you got to remember that his pretty much longest standing teammate, DeAndre Hopkins, who was on the Texans for the longest time with J.J. Watt, had went over to Arizona as well. So it could be they were talking, they were like, oh yeah, J.J., come over here. It'll be great in Arizona. And then they ended up signing him. Yeah, so DeAndre Hopkins reunion, that's a factor, retirement home of the league, and plus the indoor stadium. Um, I also believe the Cardinals, they finished third in their division last year, so they get to play a third-place strength of schedule, which if the NFL does add that 17th game that they were talking about, for those who don't know, the uh, 17th game would be um, against the team that finished in your place in a, the division in the other conference. That's the same as... That's the that's uh geographically the west would play the north and the south would play the east, so the NFC West their game would be in the AFC North, so that means that um Pittsburgh would get or to Pittsburgh would um have to play the first place team uh in the NFC West which is the Seahawks, uh Cleveland would have to play the second place team which is the Rams, um. But, you know, signing with the Browns would pit him against the third place team, which is the Cardinals. So adding that um, adding that 17th game, it'd be a easier matchup with the Cardinals. Plus, assuming that the uh, that the schedule might get more restructured beyond the 17th game based on what place you finished in the previous year, which is what some of the NFL network people think is going to happen. Um, playing on the Cardinals who would have a third place schedule would be much easier than playing for the Browns and their second place schedule or the uh, Steelers and their first place schedule. Right. That is true. Yeah. Uh, so I think we're going to go to break real quick. Uh, we'll be back in just a bit on 88, nine, the bridge. See you. Welcome back into the water break, the award-winning late-night sports show on 88.9 The Bridge. I'm McLean, Will and Sire in the booth with me. Creed actually had to go between takes. Uh, I don't know what he's doing, but yeah, he's, um, or between takes, you know, between segments. He's, uh, he's gotta go. Um, so he's left and we're gonna continue the show without him. All right, uh, so you guys want to do a uh, look at where some of the college quarterbacks could go in the draft, right? Yeah, um, yeah. there was a lot of speculation because Chris Sims actually just released his top six list and it was fairly controversial. I mean, to start it off, Trevor Lawrence wasn't number one, so I think a lot of people were somewhat upset with that. Um, but also Justin Fields dropped down to five despite upsetting Trevor Lawrence in that big game that we all watched a bit ago. So what do you guys think about that, and who do you guys think is going first overall? Uh, first overall, definitely Trevor Lawrence, if just on the power of that mullet and nothing else. Um, Trevor Lawrence definitely going first overall, definitely going to the Jags, definitely going to work with Urban Meyer. I No, no questions there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Trevor Lawrence is just the most complete prospect. But uh, I really like Mac Jones this year. He had a good performance in the 
CFP championship. And honestly, I think a lot of people are saying that he was carried by Devontae Smith, but uh, I don't know. I feel like I feel like he's really accurate and he's pretty good with the football. So I feel like he might be a good pick for like the Patriots or something. As much as I hate to say it. Yeah, a lot of people are mocking him to the Patriots. Um, however, I personally think that um, a better fit for the New England Patriots uh, might be Kyle Trask. Now, he's um, comes from a bit smaller waters than Tom Brady did out of Michigan or Cam Newton out of Auburn. But, like, when you look at his measurables, he's got all the measurables of a great athletic quarterback, and he should be able to run a similar offense to what Cam Newton uh, ran. So if Bill Belichick wants to keep pushing that, like, always-compete mentality, um, bringing in Kyle Trask to compete with Cam Newton, uh, that's definitely uh, a possibility, something he could do if he wants to keep up that competitive mantra. Uh, the other thing is that Trask should be available after the Patriots pick, so they could continue with the Patriots tradition of always trading back. Um, so Mac Jones, however, he makes a bit more sense, I think, for the football team, who are picking uh, in the high 10s. I believe they've got this, the 18th pick, I want to say. Um, I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure it's 18. Um, yeah. but the foot, but the football team, uh, ran with a, with immobile totem quarterbacks for a lot of last season. Kyle Allen was the only guy they started who had anything resembling legs. And he's been a favorite of Ron Rivera's for a long time. But I, I think if, if Ron Rivera was willing to make it work with, uh, with guys like Taylor Heineke and Dwayne Haskins, you know, arm first quarterbacks, uh, and of course, Alex Smith, the, uh, the epitome of the totem quarterback, um, guys who, you know, their instinct is to get the ball out quick rather than scramble and extend plays. I think Mac Jones makes a lot of sense for them too. Plus, um, having played in the big market of Alabama, he'll uh, do well um, in FedEx Field, which seats a hundred million thousand people. Um, Washington is a big market, and granted, they don't even have a name at the moment, but they should go and get a a quarterback who's not uh, not uh, unfamiliar with the spotlight. And I think yeah. Mac Jones makes it a good fit for them. And I agree because, I mean, looking at their draft pick, they have the 19th overall pick in the 2021 NFL draft. So, I mean, that just makes sense. I feel like mid to late first round is when Mac Jones would go. So, yeah, that makes sense. What do yeah. you think about Taylor Heineke after his little stint in the playoffs against the Buccaneers? Do you think they're going to try and put anything into him over the offseason or they're just going to kind of forget about it and look to the draft for their future quarterback? Now, the football team might have just won the division last year, but they are in no means ready to compete. The goal for the the goal for any franchise in the NFC East should never be to win the division. It should always be to win the Super Bowl. Those are all four te- all four of those teams are in very big markets that sell lots and lots of tickets and lots and lots of jerseys. And the goal there should not be division titles, it should be championships. Um I don't think that um the football team are close to a championship, so I think they should treat next season like a rebuilding season. They've got a playoff-caliber defense, and it makes sense for them to use Taylor Heineke as part of their quarterback competition. They should not declare a starter going into training camp. They shouldn't declare a starter until week one. They should draft somebody, bring in a veteran, and have Taylor Heineke be the incumbent, um, and let those three guys, whichever veteran they bring in and whichever guy they draft, compete for a starting job, like the Bears did with, you know, Trubisky, Glennon, and uh, the third quarterback, who was 
who was their third quarterback? It was Trubisky, Mike Glennon, and whoever their I'm, third quarterback was. I am not sure. I don't remember either. I forgot. I forgot already. Um, or what the Seahawks did. Um, and these quarterback competitions, they oftentimes you find gems in there. Like the Seahawks, they brought in Matt Flynn. They held on to Tavares Jackson, and they drafted Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson, a fire was lit under his feet, and uh, he won the job, and next year won the Super Bowl. Um, quarterback competitions work out well more often than not. Everyone loves to point to the Bears as a uh, example of everything fold- falling flat, but quarterback competitions have, um, you know, brought some some good some good things to a lot of teams, and I think the football team are best off, you know, leaving the spot open for competition. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you. I think the football team, if they really wanted to, they could go out, they could win the division pretty easily. And I still think they will win the division, even if they do what you say. Um, But they're just going to lose the first round or the second round to an actual playoff team. And it's not going to really result in anything that'll help them in the future. So I think helping develop some of the younger players, especially McLaurin and uh, a couple of the players on their defense, I think in a couple of years, they'll have a really good team and they'll certainly begin to dominate that division. Yeah, some people will look at the football team's cap situation and say they should go all in on a free agent quarterback to win to win now, go all in on Andy Dalton and then surround him with some talent. Um, but I honestly don't think that makes sense. The only real best way to build a contender is to, you know, go for a quarterback competition this year. Um, and then if it, and then if all three of their quarterbacks fall flat, they can, you know, they'll still have another uh, year on the rookie contracts of Chase Young, Terry McLaurin, Antonio Gibson, um, and they'll be able to build a contending team in twenty twenty two and not twenty one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely should look for a quarterback in the draft, should not be pushing all their chips into the table to win now. If they find a if they find their quarterback and the answer isn't in the draft, then they just do what the Packers did this season and, you know, let their experienced uh let their highly touted quarterback ride the bench behind an experienced starter. Yeah, and speaking of the Packers, do you think Love is going to come in anytime soon to take over Rodgers' spot? Uh, not so long as Rodgers is producing. Um, I think the Packers learned their lesson by letting Brett Favre slip through their fingers um, in favor of Aaron Rodgers. They let Brett Favre go to the Vikings, and Creed's not here to talk about to talk Vikings. But Brett Favre brought the Vikings closer to a Super Bowl than they've ever been. And I don't know. They've been pretty close. I don't know. Uh, I mean... A, a goalpost away, one would say. Favre brought them... Yeah, but but they but it took Brett Favre to get them there. Favre got them to the championship round against the Bounty Gate Saints. I and know. I'm just I'm just making bad yeah. joke. Creed's not even here. I can't even make fun Creed's, of the Vikings. Creed's not here. But the Vikings, the last time they had a deep playoff run, the last time they've only gotten to the championship game once in the post-Favre world, and that was with uh, Case Keenum and Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs in the 2017 season, I believe, and they Minnesota. got destroyed by the Nick Foles Eagles. They they just they just got their tails handed to them. It was it was a drubbing of a game. I think they only scored once in the whole game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait. What do you guys think of Trey Lance? Trey Lance. State. Yeah. If Trey Lance gets drafted in the first round and Mac Jones doesn't, I just think it'd be really funny how North Dakota State University would have more quarterbacks drafted in the first round in the last five years than Alabama has ever. That would actually be pretty funny, yeah. I And back onto this, the whole fields slipping down thing, I don't really know if that's 
the greatest because that's what this guy had predicted i don't know if that's the greatest opinion just because dwayne haskins had a rough time and obviously you know he had some issues outside of the field and uh didn't didn't end up working out so well for the football team with him but i th- i don't know if because the main knock on fields he has here is mechanics issues and being able to read defenses or more like defenses being able to read the offense but i don't know if that'll really knock him down obviously you saw he was able to just dismantle trevor lawrence uh in the what is it the conference championship or the yeah the the semifinals so yeah it's i i don't know i don't i don't think i'd put mond ahead of him to be honest I definitely would not put Kellen Mond ahead of him. I think Kellen Mond will be a nice flyer for some team looking for a backup on the cheap. You know, some team for whom the salary cap has pushed them against the wall and um, they're looking for a rookie to be the backup. I'd argue Kellen Mond actually makes a ton of sense for the Seahawks, but that's neither here nor there. Um, You know, some team with a lot of picks, probably not Seattle, actually, now that I say that. I remember we only got like four draft picks, but some team will take a flyer on Kellen Mond. He will not get drafted ahead of Justin Fields. Um, I think Justin Fields shouldn't start in his rookie season. Whoever takes Fields would be best to let him sit for a year and learn how to operate an NFL offense, learn how to disguise what he's doing a little bit better, maybe work on some of his throwing mechanics, learn from the pros. Um, You know, I I think a team that actually could make some sense... um, for uh for Justin Fields is if he does um fall down to the eighth spot, I think Carolina should take a chance on him. Let him sit behind Teddy Bridgewater for a season, let him learn to run an NFL offense, and uh, you know, roll with him as the starter in twenty twenty two and forwards. Yeah, I think that's certainly a possibility. Uh while we're on that, I think the Seahawks with with the whole Russell situation I really hope they keep him, but if they were to do something kind of similar to that, I don't think it would be the end of the world, possibly. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, letting Russ walk um, in free agency, he would obviously become probably the best uh, quarterback to hit the open market at that phase of his career. Certainly, yeah. Um, You know, and I obviously wouldn't suggest Seattle do that unless they had a clear, um, you know, succession plan waiting in the wings and i don't think they've got the draft capital to find their successor this year um you know unless unless they take a flyer on some sixth round pick and absolutely love him i um i can't see seattle's i can't see this draft impacting whether or not seattle will move on from russ all right with that i think we're gonna wrap up on the water break thank you guys for listening uh to the water break we're going to wrap it up here. Um, we are an award-winning late-night show um, on 88.9 The Bridge, and you should keep listening to 88.9 The Bridge for more music and conversation that spans generations. For Will and Cy, I'm McLean, and we're gone. Goodbye.